Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255 or text 580-580. With Frank Napolitano and Paul Rushforth, here is Steve Gregory. Well, the gang's all here. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you don't mind me sitting in your chair, Frank. You know what? That chair is comfortable. That seat is nice. So we that so seat is nice. so we Frank and I were chatting this week, and we were doing our renewal for the for the show. So we've signed on for another couple. You're of years. stuck with us for another two years, ladies. Stuck and with gentlemen. us for another couple years, and and uh, I guess one of the changes was your fee and how they're well. Anyways, I'm not going to get into the contract, but I said to Frank, I'm like, so is it me or you that are going to tell Steve he's fired from his job? <laughs> I thought you fired me last week. Yeah, we tried. We tried, but you came back. <laughs> it was different, though. It was, you know, trying to carry the conversation and come it's up with difficult. the things to talk about. It's it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. Good thing it was only two segments and not yeah. four segments. That would have been tougher. And Frank and I like to talk, so we're good. I really, had, I really had nowhere to be last week. I just want to make sure you guys realize that I bring some value. <laughs> you got there a lot quicker than I thought you would. I got the there super station. fast. I got to the yeah. train station. and you know, You're know, still listening to the show. I had like 40 minutes to spare. Yeah. No, he, he doesn't have the station in his car. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> He's got, his car still has a, his car still has an eight track. Oh, that I know. That I know. Right. And my trunk is full of them. Your trunk is full of them? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh. All right. So we got some numbers this week, Mr. Rushforth. <clears throat> we do. No big surprises. No big surprises at all on your side this week, Frank, or no, on real estate? No, it was what we expected. I mean, we, we, we knew the number of sales were going to take a hit because uh, it is it is quite slow. Um, you know, the, there was only 724 sales in November for an average sale price in the month of November of 633, which is lower than where our year-to-date is. Our year-to-date, our sales volume is down 11.7%, but keep in mind, at one point, we were down almost 40%. So... We have made a comeback, uh, but you know when you compare us over the last five and ten years, we are really, really low. I mean, we're we're talking two thousand twelve levels. Like that's how low we are for number of sales. But five years ago, we were hitting home runs, were we not? Yeah, I mean, there was lots of years where we had tons and tons and tons of inventory, and it was really hard to manage all the sellers. I mean, at one point, we were carrying close to two hundred listings. Well. When you got 200 listings and it's a bit of a slower market and you got grumpy sellers yelling at you all the time, well, there's 200 people that are yelling at you now. You personally. We, our, my yeah, team yeah, personally yeah. was carrying about 200 listings at that time. So, you know, and then we obviously went through COVID where if we could carry 20 listings, we were lucky because things were just selling off. They were like flying off the shelf. And then when you look at the average sale price year to date, we're at just shy of 670. We're at 669, 536. Which is significant when you think about where we were at the start of the year. We went into the start of the year with an average sale price of six point, or sort of six hundred ninety-one thousand. We've talked about this. Our January crushed us. We ended up in January at six twelve. So we went from six ninety-one to six twelve, and we've made a comeback ever since. And uh, you know we're up to six sixty-nine right now. So we started the year at six ninety-one. We're now at six sixty-nine. You know, we're down 5.7%. We haven't been down in the Ottawa market and your average sale price since 1996. We will be down this year, folks. We will be. Our, our average sale price will be down this year unless we have a miraculous December, which is not going to happen. So, But down is relative because we're comparing it to very up. We're comparing it to crazy, crazy up and crazy years. So, you know, when you, if you would have told me 
five years ago that our average sale price was going to be six sixty nine. right now, I would have thought you were crazy. I said, there's no way. We were in the fours at the time. So, yeah. you know, to be at six sixty nine, and and, you know, we'll probably make a little bit more ground in December. We'll still, we'll probably still end the year down anywhere between five and 6% for the average sale price, which is significant considering we haven't been down since 1996. Yeah, but you talk about down 5%. How high were we percentage-wise at the peak? Oh, we were, I mean, our peak was at 739 was the average sale price, 739. Right now we're at 669. So, yeah. So I would take that trade off. I would too. I would too. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've been as low as, you know, 612 this year and we've been as high as 691. So we're, we're fluctuating and, and I think we'll probably end somewhere around 670, 675 is our average sale price, probably where we'll end. What I've noticed today in listings is there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason for the amount you're paying. It all depends on what area you're in. Well, absolutely. And there's still some areas. I mean, everyone's screaming, you know, we're, we're, we're getting into that balanced market, you know, months of inventory is at 3.8. And we know once you hit that four, it's, it's considered a balanced market. Well, there's some areas that we go into that are in a buyer's market, some in a balanced and some still in the seller's market. So it's, it all depends on what area you're in, what product you're looking to sell. Um, you know, if you're in suburbia right now looking to unload a townhome, it's a lot tougher than being in suburbia looking to uh, unload a, a, a single-family home because there's way more townhomes on the market. Small so, singles are doing okay, though, right? Small singles are still doing well because they're still quite affordable, right? You're, you're looking anywhere between, you know, six and 800 for a small single, which is, you know, it's, it's funny to say that's affordable, but it actually is affordable in the Ottawa real estate market. What kind of homes are you doing mortgages for mostly now? I've seen quite a mix, actually, the this last little while and the last two weeks I've seen more purchase agreements than I have probably um, in the last two months. It's uh, There's been a little bit of an uptake and I don't know whether you're seeing it, Paul, but the numbers obviously don't reflect that. But the interesting thing that I've seen really is um, people find that house that they really, really want. They put their offer on it. They haven't sold their house yet and we've got two circumstances where unfortunately for them, their house hasn't sold. So... Uh, they're in a predicament where now it's going to cost them a little bit more for financing because they, they don't get to do bridge financing. People think yeah, they call first, and right? they say, well, I want a bridge loan. It's like, okay, so have you sold your house? No. Well, then you can't do a bridge loan. So now you've got to do actual financing. We've actually got to finance them. You have to qualify for them. And in some cases, we've had to go on the private route, which is much more expensive. But um, and you, know, you can't just take a, a line of credit price. out on your house, on the you equity could. in your house? You could, but you have to qualify to carry both mortgages, both oh, houses. Yeah, yeah. That's where it gets tricky because qualifying today is at eight, nine percent. It's if, not at three or four percent like it used to be. So that's where it gets really tricky. If if only they had some solution to handle that, where you didn't have to. Like you mean if 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 I could list and and then I want to buy, but I need to have my house sold. How could I possibly go about getting that? done is there some way to get a guarantee of some sort a guaranteed sale imagine you bring that up steve oh. because my guaranteed sale is actually coming back to be very popular at, time, at times like this we're probably getting i'm probably doing um i don't know three or four a week not where i'm writing up the contract where i'm actually discussing it with a seller uh about the guarantee whether they take it or not but yeah so it's my guarantee is, is perfect for this time because your home is sold. I give you a contract that your home will be sold in 120 days. Which is so, acceptable by lenders. Like once is, there's yeah. Once there's a contract like that in place where it's firm, so it's not conditional on anything other than <laughs> the closing date. That's the only thing that we're waiting for is that closing date. So once that happens, 
lenders have accepted that as firm sale. So you can bridge in that case. Of course, because you've got a firm sale in place. So uh, What I call it, my guaranteed sale, I actually call it my insurance program. Yeah. And that's really what it is. Because if I've done a good enough job to market this property and price it properly, you should not have to take my guarantee. You should be able to rip that up and take the higher offer. It's just an insurance program that if something happens and the, you know, the... No, you actually not should. You can take the higher offer. You you will take. You the will take the higher yeah, offer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like I'm not looking to own homes out there. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't mind owning a few more, but no. But it's not like once you make a deal with somebody, that's it. They're stuck at whatever agreed to price. No, no, no. Their no, house no. is still on the market for that three months, right? Absolutely. We 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 put it on the market, sell it as normal, and once you get that better offer, we just rip mine up and you take the better offer. But like I said, Boy, what a big chunk of peace of mind that is, though. It is, and, and like Frank said, when we got these poor people who haven't sold their house, and now they're looking at all these extra charges and fees and all that stuff, where I could just come and slap a guaranteed sale on their house, and there's the paperwork they need to go into the bank to, for a firm sale. Well, that's a lot of money saved. It is. It is it really, like it, it at the money's one aspect of it, but the stress that goes with it. I mean, the you know the one couple that I had. I mean, they didn't buy; they were selling a one point two million dollar home and buying a one point five million dollar home. So we're not talking about you know, small mortgages yeah. here. We're talking about huge, yeah. huge mortgages. Even though they yeah, had their to house carry both of those almost paid. Well, they almost had their house paid, so that's why they made to them. It was a lifestyle choice, and. Uh, but they were expecting to carry a mortgage of five hundred thousand, not not because they owe currently they owe on it about two hundred thousand. So they were going to go up by three hundred thousand. They were okay with that. The problem is that now they're carrying one point seven million dollars in mortgages. So yeah, it stings. Like the stress that comes with that, the sleepless nights that they said they had that because their realtor assured them that the market was hot enough that that property was going to sell, and you know they they felt comfortable. And believed that the agent was, and maybe the agent felt that the market was good enough. And all yeah. of a sudden, you know, for the neighborhood that they were in, it wasn't as hot as they thought it was. So the tough uh, part was through COVID, we had a shift in our market that shifted really quick. And so go- going through COVID, we were telling people, oh, no, no, you have to buy first. You can't sell your house. You have to buy first. And then within a short span of a week to two weeks, that advice was wrong advice. And, but we didn't see it changing that quick, right? So people actually went and bought, and then they're struggling to get their home sold. So what are we doing now? Are we buying first or selling first? Well, it's, it all depends on where you are, but I'm, uh, I would think that selling first would be ideal if you're In not most looking, cases. Yeah, if you're not looking at my guaranteed sale, I would, I would probably think of selling first with an idea of what you want to buy, and hopefully it's still out there for you. Um, and, you know, we're still in a market where people will take first refusals, meaning conditional on the sale of your home. So it's still allowed. It's, it's we, we, you know, for, for the longest time during COVID, that was almost laughable. Yeah. And, but now it's like some sellers will look at it, some sellers won't. So, But they're always, they're still in the same bind you are. They want to move too. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're, they're in that bind too. And when you put a first refusal on someone's house, you, you do and you don't have some sort of almost like a stigma. Like people are like, oh, I don't know if I want to go yeah. through all the inspections sort of taken and all off that. the market. It's eh? so, you're right. It's sort of taken, right? And mm-hmm. you know, you think that most people, if they get bumped are going to firm up and, and that's why you're like, do I go through the motions of hoping to get this house and then still getting bumped? So, yeah. uh, but so, can they firm up, right? That's, can they, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's the hardest one. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. We will be right back.
We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back. Mr. Rushforth is here. How are you feeling, by the way? I know you were feeling a little under the weather. Uh, yeah, it's that time of year. It's that time of year. I'm feeling, feeling a bit better. Feeling much better. Yeah, I had a tough... missed your cocktail party. Yeah, I did. I did. I actually had a client event this week that we had to cancel. So was... that's the one I'm talking about. I thought I was invited to that, but I guess not. <laughs> did you not get an invite? No, I did. Okay, <laughs> must have gotten lost in the mail. Okay, because <laughs> like, you're a client, you better have got an invite. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you know, you know what's going on with my company. Yes. I don't have to yes. tell you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, which Mr. is Napolitano is here. No big change this week. Although the caveat remains. <laughs> uh, I'm glad he made the announcement on Wednesday and I had three days to, <laughs> cool to calm down a little bit because I was livid. Like I'm, you know, I, I know he's got a job to do, but part of his job also has to be to look after Canadians. We're talking about Tiff here, folks. Tiff Macklem or Bank of Canada governor or whoever it is. I mean, in this case, it's Tiff right now. But Frank's going to tell, Frank's going to tell you what he did, but- what he did was like wrong. Well, like, I, here's the carrot. I, I here's think the it was wrong. Yeah. I think it was wrong because you know <clears throat> your my eyes, our ears, all of us. We know that there's a lot of Canadians that are struggling today. What's wrong with giving them a little bit of hope? And it's not false hope. So I don't care what anyone says. People say, "Wow, he made the mistake of telling people to borrow two and a half years ago. Borrow because interest rates are going to stay low forever." He misinterpreted inflation numbers. And when he should have started to raise prime rate, he didn't do it. And then he waited too long to do it. And now we're in the position we're in where it's hurt all Canadians across coast to coast. Because it was so much so fast. Because it was so fast. And now, and and listen, this isn't about mortgages only. So when I, you know, I have people say, yeah, because you're in the mortgage industry. Personal lines of credits have skyrocketed. Business loans, which are normally tied to prime, have skyrocketed. Used to be able to get zero percent car loans, zero point nine percent car loans. Can't get those anymore. They're at five nine nine six nine nine. So it's hurting across <laughs> all aspects. Nine point nine or nine point yeah. nine. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like it's not like it used to be. Uh, but this is two and a half years after he told Canadians to go ahead and borrow because interest rates are going to stay low. So now he has an opportunity where inflation's come all the way down. We're in the low threes and likely going to be in the high twos the next report or the one after. And, and what would it still, be if you took real estate out of this? Well, if you take shelter cost out, <laughs> yeah. we're at, we're at the, his target. So, and if you take government spending, we might be deflationary <laughs> right now. If you took away government spending, the excess government spending, so why not come out with a message, especially around Christmas time, and say, "Listen, we're flat, expected. We're not raising prime, and maybe, possibly, the next move is actually going to be a cut." Nope, he comes out with. But we're still watching inflation, and if inflation goes up, we're going to raise rates again. And and he didn't why? even have to say next move. Why? All he had to say was yeah. the future looks brighter. Yes, looks better, and the likelihood is that there's going to be cuts instead of increases. Yes. Instead, he comes out with the increases, where every single economist that I've read is predicting the cuts are coming in 2024, some more drastic than others. Some are saying, suggesting it's going to happen in the spring. My guess would be April or June. There's no meeting in May, so April or June would be the first cut. That's my guess, but that's based on the data that I'm seeing now. That could change. But most economists think that the second half of 2024 is going to be some significant cuts. Some are predicting as much as three quarters in one shot. In one shot. Yeah. So why come out with the news that they might go up? What, like, Why do that? 
What? For is Canadians he, not to spend anymore? Well, last I checked. He doesn't want Canadians to spend anymore. Last I checked, Canadians are struggling. Credit card debts are through the roof. Credit card balances have never been higher. Equifax and TransUnion report. They've never seen credit card balances as high as they are today. So message taken. You've heard Canadians. Now maybe it's time to help them a little bit and give them some hope at least. Or just not even say that. Yeah, just, yeah. just say we're leaving because it Because yes. every, every announcement that he has left flat, I've felt the optimism. I didn't feel any optimism no, about no, this announcement. No. And people are scared. Yeah, because it was kind of like, we're staying flat. However, yeah. now when you talk about he's trying to curb Canadians' spending, I think Canadians learned their lesson, right? When we went through COVID and all the free money was out there and people were blowing money on everything because they had a, extra money because they weren't working and they were you know, working from home and they're saving more money, not going on vacations, and Canadians spent. And I think we're feeling that we're almost like a, you know, a, a, we're almost punch drunk from that. And I think there's a lot of Canadians who, who regret some of their spending. They did. And I don't think Canadians will spend, even if, you know. If you look at every stat today, it's Christmas spending is down. Everything is down. People are spending less money now. I know a lot of people that are actually not doing gifts this year and they're doing an experience, whether that's a, you know, a, a trip as a family or, you know, I know that's spending money, but they're just, they're, they're But they not, used to do both. They the used to do both. The point is yeah. that they used to do both, yes. and now they've cut it down to one. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I think it's smart. I mean, it's, yeah, I think it's smart. Cut down the spending. It's, it's um, you, know, I, you know, I think the 2024, you know, the good side of 2024 is that we will see lower interest rates, whether it happens really quickly early in the year or later in the year. But it's going to come at the expense of job losses. It's going to come at the expense of economic downturn. And it's going to come at the expense of the service industry, which suffered so greatly during COVID pandemic days, that now that the restaurants have had a, a nice, healthy 18-month period where the restaurants have done well, uh, all of a sudden you don't hear about the understaffing. Now there's lots of staff available. Now they have no problem staffing a lot of these restaurants. But now I think we're going to see it go the other way, where January, February is going to be painful for restaurants, I think, yeah, and hotels. I think it's going to be painful for job numbers. And retail. <laughs> well, assuming we get correct ones. I mean, that's the other thing I question is is I don't know where these numbers come out of and how they get them exactly the way they are. You know, the fact that they can turn around and take GDP for a quarter and amend it one yes. quarter yes. later. Yeah, because yeah, we don't like the you, look of it. Yeah. <laughs> tells you what you need to know. I mean, they amended a, a number from three months previously to make it look like we're not in a recession where every single economist will tell you technically we're in a recession. Yeah. Whatever they did, they did. But technically, we're in a recession right now. They just don't want you to feel like you're in a recession. Yeah, oh. And jobs in the economy are not going to get better. Except for the U.S. The for some reason, they're creating jobs like yeah, there's no tomorrow. What, what I think is going to come out of that, though, is there's a lot of people taking second jobs to make ends meet. So I don't <laughs> know that that's a healthy stat to have then. It's one thing if you're creating jobs that are primary jobs. But if they're secondary jobs because people are struggling to feed their families – and to be able to pay for their bills, yeah. we, you can get away with that for a while. That's not a long-term solution. That's a very short-term solution for most people. I, I, I've mentioned this before coming on here about uh, when I was in San Francisco. There's a major homeless problem in the United States Everywhere. Right now. Canada, too. Uh, Canada, too. But Canada the states isn't. is out of this world. Like San Francisco, I didn't even know where I was. It was so bad. It was terrible. But so California's bad. had it for a long time. And Florida's mm-hmm. starting to see it, too. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, some of the colder states, obviously, and, and a country like ours, I mean, a little more difficult. 
Vancouver, which doesn't suffer through the winters we do. I mean, there's a lot of homelessness yeah. in, in Vancouver where the temperature is better, the weather is better. But, you know, even in downtown, let's call a spade a spade. We, you walk around the Byward Market and it's, it's not like it used to be five, six, seven, eight, ten years ago. No, I mean, there's no. much more homelessness much. in Ottawa than yeah. there's ever been. So, yeah. All right, when we come back, we'll find out if there's any optimism in you guys. <laughs> 521 Talk, 521-8255. We'll be right back. <laughs> We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Talk to my family, they were way off there. Did they say? Did they yeah, say, are we talking about 20 years ago? Are they still around? My family? No, Steve, <laughs> Steve Martin and Martin Short. Yes, really? they're still around. Are they, they are? still? Are they still funny? Yeah, they are pretty funny. They uh, are, Martin yeah. Short does this one commercial. It's silly. Yeah, I agree. It's not a very good commercial. So. I agree. No. Yeah, the but commercial I do like now is with John Travolta as Santa Claus, though. I haven't even seen Doing that. the Saturday Night Fever thing. Oh, no, I haven't seen that one. That's good. Yeah, I haven't seen the that. The one that, it's funny, I mean, we talk about marketing, and, you know, our companies do a really good job, I think, of marketing ourselves here. But there was this one commercial that I've seen about four or five times, and somebody asked me about it, and they said, what's the company? And I and I was dumbfounded. Sometimes the commercial can be that good. Yeah. That so you it's the one where the guy goes, say, when with the cheese? And they're grating the cheese, and next thing you know, the guy's got a mountain of cheese around them, and then the guy comes with pepper. It's kind of a funny commercial. It stands out. And then somebody said, what's the commercial? I I don't know. I I focused so much on that that I didn't even pay attention. It's a Geico commercial of all commercials. I have no idea what cheese has to do with the but. Yeah. Again, that's the commercial. So. With Frank, they had him a cheese. They had you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, that's me. My yeah. my friends mock me because that's me. When they come with the cheese, it's like more, more, more. So. All right, let's talk a little optimism. And I'm fairly optimistic for 2024. Cautiously optimistic for me. I'm ca- And I tell people I'm cautiously optimistic because we've seen some funny numbers come out. And that is what I, I'm cautious about is the fact that, you know, I feel like there's going to be a whole bunch of job losses. And, you know, we talk about TD Canada Trust laying off 3,000 people. Like those aren't replaced jobs anywhere. Like there's no... And I don't think that there's companies out there hiring 3,000 people. So that's just TD. You add Royal Bank in there, Scotiabank, Bank of Montreal, CIBC. They're all laying off. These are so probably equates to well over 10,000, 15,000 jobs that there aren't companies out there hiring 15,000 people at the same level that of, of these people that are losing their jobs. So, so if those numbers come out with we've added – 50,000. I, I question it. Like, how is that possible? I'm cautiously optimi- optimistic on the economy, but I'm bullishly optimistic on the real estate market, if you want to know the truth. So yeah. I think the economy is going to go in the toilet, but I think yeah. real estate's going to come back a little. Yeah. So I think the economy is going to be, going to be a struggle because I agree with Frank. You, you lay off 3,000 people all making probably a hundred grand a year or more. Where where do you replace those people, and where do but they go to? Wouldn't be that impact real estate? No. Oh. So, well, it's going to. It will inf- impact real estate, but the big telltale signs that are really going to pick up this market is going to be buyers getting back in the market as the interest rates drop. Yes, job losses will have some impact on the real estate market. We'd be foolish to think it wouldn't. But not as much in Ottawa as it would other places. Well, our job market here in Ottawa is a lot more stable than most places, mainly because we're a large percentage of government workers, right? Yeah, and and so we're, we're about a point less in unemployment. Than yeah, yeah. Country. So we're, we're, Ottawa's, you know, 
I'll, I'll look at the, the national news, the national numbers. And, you know, I'll, I'll even go as far as, you know, to look at the province and see what Ontario's doing. But Ottawa's such a different animal. I mean, Ottawa's much different than, than most other places, even in Ontario. Like, it's hard to, to see Toronto and say, oh, yeah, we're just like Toronto. We're nothing like Toronto. We're, you know, they see the peaks and the valleys. We don't. Uh, I know we're, you know, we're going to end up down this year. But so, so I'm very bullishly optimistic on some of the metrics that are going to happen next year as far as the rates coming down, people getting back into the market potentially opening up the foreign buyer ban, which I don't like the idea, but it could happen because it, it comes, uh, it expires at the end of 2024. Will that affect Ottawa as much as other places like Toronto, Vancouver? So the numbers were, I think the numbers were about five or six years ago, we were getting about a quarter of a million immigrants coming to Canada. And there was something like 40, don't quote me on these numbers because I'm, I'm spitballing here. I think it was something like 40 or 45,000 were actually coming to Ottawa. So Ottawa is one of the top three cities where the immigrants are coming. Obviously, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, Ottawa, those are the places, Calgary, Edmonton, where a lot of the immigrants are coming. So I think if they, if they opened up that, I think it would probably be a mistake because we don't have enough inventory as it is even to take care of our, our, our people here. So I think, you know, if they're, if they're going to open that up, I, I'll be very, very uh, disappointed in a way that the market is going to then pop. I believe. Well, what's going to happen to this inventory in the spring? Well, we should, well, first of all, we're going to add to this inventory. Okay. We're still, we're still quite light with 3,700 homes on the market right now. In the springtime, there's a lot of people that have said, you know what? I'm going to list in the spring because it's just in in everyone's head. That's the best market to be in to list your home. And the truth is, is there's not a bad market to list your home. And people say, well, I'm not going to list now. It's Christmas time. Well, exactly. But if someone's looking for a home, they're very serious, right? So it is a good time to list your property. Uh, and I think what's going to happen this spring is we are going to get more listings, but Steve, we're still so listing starved that we need to add about three, four, five, six thousand listings before they could even think of opening up that four by foreign buyer ban. Otherwise, they'll all be scooped up. I mean, Ottawa is a very sought after place to come to buy a property because of affordability. I mean, you could buy a townhouse in Toronto for one point three million, or one here in Ottawa for six fifty. You're going to buy it here. But with rates being what they are and people coming up for renewals, are we not going to see a surge of people that have to sell their homes? Either have to sell their homes or are going to be forced to increase their amortizations just for the sake of being able to stay in their homes. So, you know, as interest rates come down, and it's a tough conversation to have with clients today because the right choice is likely a variable rate mortgage. That's probably the right choice to take today because we're, if, if our interest rates have hit their peak and now we're on a downward slope, then why not take a variable and kind of wait out until the, the rates have come down enough that you can convert it to a fixed? The problem is what we've seen in the last two months, bond markets have come down to the tune of one full percentage point. So we've gone from 4.5% on a five-year bond to 3.5% on a five-year bond. Banks have, and lenders have graciously, nicely given back about half of that. So interest rates are down about a half a percent from over the last 60 days and fixed. But what it's done is it's widened the gap now between a five-year fixed and a variable because prime rate hasn't come down yet. So where the gaps were very close for a little while, now they're much wider and expected to get even wider because Bank of Canada, as per our governor this week, is likely not going to drop prime rate for a little while still. But in the meantime, the bond market's going to react to the fact that there's going to be job losses and the unemployment's going to go up, and it's going to continue to come down. So it's going to widen that gap even more, almost tempting Canadians to take a five-year fixed 
which is going to be the wrong choice because then they're going to kick themselves a year later when interest rates have come down even more, and they're going to regret that they locked in at the time that they didn't. It's just bad luck timing sometimes where if your mortgage doesn't mature until the end of 2025, it's perfect because that's when we're expected to bottom out. I want to talk about the foreign buyers, Paul. As far as I'm concerned, there's an election in 2025, and we still have a housing problem. So the chances of them opening up the foreign buyer slim, very, very slim because it's not going to work for voters. It's not going to work for Canadians. And that's everything, every decision that's going to be made over the next 18 months is all about that election in the fall of 2025, everything. So that's why I'm optimistic that interest rates are coming down, despite the fact that we might have some turbulence along the way from numbers that appear to not meet the eye. Stats that we're going to get that just don't appear to meet the eye. Well, you're talking about that big spread between variable and a fixed rate. You have to remember you're not getting a mortgage for one year. No, no, and that's just You've got to look over the five years how much it's going to cost. It's a long-term play, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, and then the other thing that I say to clients, and, and, you know, like Paul said earlier, listen, if you would ask Paul that the average price would have been what it was, would have said that's crazy. Like, but these Canadians that have mortgages that, you know, purchased their house five years ago or 10 years ago, and their house value is doubled, in some cases tripled in that time frame. never expected that to happen. So if you have to increase your amortization by five, seven, 10 years today, because the interest rates are elevated and you take a variable, which is an elevated rate, then it's not long-term. That's not long-term either, because you can bring that amortization back down by that five or 10 years when the interest rates get back to normal, when the interest rates get lower again, you can keep that payment that you have now if you're comfortable with it. And and at that point, if you're in a variable and you lock in and you get a fixed back in the threes or in the low fours, well, you keep the payment the same and now your amortizations come back down. So, you know, I say to clients when they call me, I say, listen, we're going to increase your amortization piece. You need to keep your payment the same. We're going to increase it by five, seven, eight years. But if you go in the variable, once we hit this level, if you keep their payments the way they are right now, because that's the goal, right? We're increasing the amortization to keep their payments where they're comfortable. As interest rates come down, you're going to keep that payment steady because that's what you want, and the amortization is going to come down. So it's just a short-term pain for long-term uh, reward. You know, Frank, you mentioned how you know people are forgetting that they've built up all this equity in their home, but what people are, are realizing is they missed the boat last year, right? Like there's a lot of times I'll go to someone and I'll say, listen – your house is worth $650,000 today. If we were on the same slope that we were and we didn't go through COVID, it would probably be worth four fifty. and you're now worth six fifty. But their response is always, it was seven fifty last year, though. Yeah, but but, and, and but like, they would have had to buy unfair, something right? else. They would have to buy but something anything yeah. else they would have bought would have been the same thing. That's why I say to Canadians all the time, if you're already in a home, whatever happens up and down – happens on both ends. It doesn't you don't yeah. get to sell for the peak and then buy for the low. That's not the way it works out. If you're buying if you're selling at your peak where you're getting seven fifty instead of six fifty, the house you're gonna buy for eight hundred is nine hundred. Yeah. Is nine hundred. Yeah. So, unless so it's you not eight hundred. So it's the same thing. Unless you're looking to end. rent or move somewhere else. That's totally different. Yeah, when you when we were going through COVID, it was the people who were getting transferred to another part of the city or a cheaper city. And I'm like, you're hitting a home run right yeah. now. You're selling in Ottawa, which is one of the craziest markets in Canada right now, and you're moving out to, I don't know, Nova Scotia, which is actually 
become very popular through COVID too, because people were able to work from home, right? So their prices actually started to start to climb as well, but nothing like here. I mean, their average sale price is probably in the fours, where ours is in the mid sixes, right? So it's, you'd get something cheaper out there for sure. The other thing we're seeing less and less of is lines of credit and people taking out lines of credit in order to make their homes too expensive. better because it costs too much money. Yeah. Well, yeah. But we're seeing usage on lines of credit sometimes increase because it's a cheaper way than credit cards. So we're seeing that there's more usage on home equity lines of credits that may not have been there in previous years because they were able to meet their demands without having to use credit, where today the cost of everything going up as much as it has, they're having to use their lines of credits. At least it's a home equity line of credit, which has got the interest rate could range anywhere from 7.2 to 8.2%, but it's still better than the credit cards that are at 15, 18, and 19%. So, Yeah, I was I used to live live off lines of credit all the time. Like That's how I would live. I, and now it's like, nope, I, took yeah. those, I paid those line of credits down. And I was just like, no, I don't want all that. All that yeah, but that's going to slow the economy too, because there's people are doing fewer things with their lines of credit. Well, so during COVID, there was a big push to staying in houses and not moving because the prices were going crazy. So there was a lot of people that were spending, spending a lot of money on their line of credit to, you know, new kitchens and bathrooms right. and flooring and all that. Yep. And they've racked up those lines of credit, not knowing rates were about to go through the roof and they've gone through the roof now. And now they got 50, 60, 70, $80,000 on a line of credit. So true, Paul. At and, 7, and, 8%. And, and where the payments used to be like, you know, $250, $300 a month. Now it's $600 a month and, and they're feeling difference, it. Yeah. yeah. And they're feeling it. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We will be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. To the phones we go. Ron has been waiting. Hello, Ron. <laughs> Ron, are you with us? Did I hit the right button? Now I did. Hi, Ron. Hello. Hello. Hey. I'm new at this. <laughs> I got cut off there. <laughs> no worries. So I- yeah, I have a, a, a two quick questions. One of them would be really quick. I I re I remortgaged for four point five uh, about four or five months ago. Yep. And I'm I'm hearing all the conversations now going. Oh, maybe I should have waited. But is four point five would be a reasonable rate for the next five years? I guess. Six. Well, I think it's reasonable rate for the next <laughs> six months, eight months. You're still going to be reasonable, so you'll be a year into it, and it'll still be a reasonable rate. Um, again, when you did it five, six, seven months ago, the forecast, that's, that's the thing, right? I mean, the forecast, we didn't know, we thought they were going to start coming down, but they didn't. And actually what we saw in the, obviously what we saw in the summer is that Bank of Canada raised prime two more times, uh, this past summer. So, you know, it's murky, but now it feels like, you know, there, there was a split with economists six months ago, whether they were going to come down or go up, where now it seems pretty clear that we're going to see rates drop. So, you know, I think right now, I mean, best case scenario is low fives for a five-year fix. So you're still, you know, a half, three quarters of a point ahead of of, of uh, where people are today that are taking a five-year fix. So I think six months or eight months from now, we're going to be in the range that you're at right now. And then the question is how much, how much quicker are they going to come down, specifically in 2025, when it's an election year, 
And there's uh, so many mortgage renewals that are happening in 2025 and 2026 that are uh, Canadians that locked in their mortgages during the pandemic for five years, and they're in the ones and twos. So, uh, you know, it's a bigger shock for them because what was your previous rate before this four and a half? well, I was I was doing very well. I was on variable, so I was at like one yeah. percent for a well, while. <laughs> well, everybody did in a variable, was, right? Yeah. Everybody's focusing yeah. on the last eighteen months, where in the first yeah. eighteen months or twenty months, you were in the ones. So it's, I was always I always believed in variables until I saw what was happening, and it kind of scared me. And then I yep. just fixed. It. Yeah. So okay, another question, and keep in mind that I am not a handy person in any means. I have a huge lot. That and I don't know how it would work. I know I have a lot of equity in the home I have now, but I have no liquidity, right? So if would contractors come there and say, okay, I can build two spots on this place, and let's say I have about two hundred thousand dollars left on my mortgage, would I be able to sell a contractor on that? So let's build two spots. I want to be in the second spot. You get to sell the 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 the, the first one. Would I come out ahead even? I don't know, but are you talking about yeah. severing your land so that you can build two other homes? Yeah. That's a process. That's, yeah, that's a process in itself, and then you'd have to discuss with the contractor what's in it for them. I don't know that you're going to be able to get a contractor that's going to build two homes, and you get one of them for free for them building it, right. and he gets the other one. I'm not sure that that's going to happen. Because the the land itself, it depends on what your land is worth, but the you know, cost it's, it's, building homes today isn't cheap. No, that's that's what I that's what I meant because I, I know the materials are so much more expensive than they used to be. And as labor, well, right? So, well, and hold labor. on, Ron. Are you are you saying because if, if 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 this is what you're saying, I probably have someone who can do this for you. You're saying <clears throat> you're looking to sever a couple lots on your your existing lot. And go to a contractor and say, I will give you one of these lots if you build me a house for free. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, exactly. I would give him half the lot. And it's a 60 by 180 foot lot. So you'd give him that lot to build whatever he wants to sell on it. Yeah. Have, but the builder would have to build him the house for free next what do you door. Think, what do you think the lot is worth once severed? Uh, well, I know with the house on it, it's worth about 600 <laughs> Where are you? I'm in uh, Blair and Ogilvy, right by CSIS. Okay, so your your lot's going to be it's going to be a good good lot. That's a great lot. Yeah, it's it's a large lot. Yeah, I uh, yeah, you know what? I might be able to help you with that. I'm going at the end of the show. I know you're driving, but at the end of the show, I'll say my cell phone number. Uh, try okay. to try to take it down if you can. I might I might have something someone who will help you with that. But okay. the first part is the severance is going to be the the longest thing, and I know major major builders right now who are working with the government to get things severed and it's been nothing but torture for them. And meanwhile, it should be yeah. easier now because they want to get things moving. It's been a nightmare. They've, they've had to extend the closing so many times because they just can't get well, it. Well, that, that's why I'm, that's why I'm asking because I heard that it should be easier, but and it's, it's a not. process. That, yeah. It's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Thanks, Ron. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. <clears throat> yep. That flew by. Birthdays. Already? Yeah, wow, already, look baby. At that. Already, look at that. It goes pretty fast when you got a host in the chair. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My little cousin Marco Flores, who's in his first year in university and having a ball. So I got to see him this week at the hockey game, the Sens game. Happy birthday to Marco! And uh, speaking of the Sens, my Sens rep, Josh Cardillo, who's become a very good family friend, celebrating his birthday this week. So happy birthday to Josh! And nice. speaking of the Sens, 
I will be calling in next week because I will be in a parking lot. <laughs> no, no, I'll be in a hotel room. I hope, but uh, but I'm heading out to St. Louis and Dallas to watch the Sens play this week. So you know they have home games, experience. eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm going there too on Tuesday night. So Actually, I'm going to be with Paul Tuesday night at so, the game. So what? What? Uh, that's right. We are going to be yeah, together. Yeah. So what Frank is trying to say is next week's show will probably be the best week we've ever had. Yeah, yeah. Frank yeah, will be yeah. in a parking lot somewhere. I just one thing I, I just wanted to mention last week I mentioned my parents' wedding anniversary. It was actually on Friday, not Sunday. I mixed up my my days of the oh. week. Do you know the son you, of you know the, the year. number now? Fifty six. Wow. Fifty six years they've been married. So that's unheard of, eh? Usually in today's day and age but that long. I mean well, that's... for people like you and me it is. <laughs> yeah. 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 But they've been happily married for fifty years, but married for fifty six. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to wish them a happy wedding anniversary. <laughs> Frank N. at MortgageBrokersOttawa.com. Paul at PaulRushforth.com. What's your number for uh, Ron in case yeah. he wants to call you? 613-240-8551. So give me a call, Ron. I, I might have something for you. Just put his personal cell on the, on the air. Wow. Not even his office number. Wow. Did you forget? Wow. <laughs> Was I supposed to? Callum is listening, though. So <laughs> Callum might be calling you. Right, Petra? I might be getting some nasty grabs coming through <laughs> my phone. Have a great week. Support local businesses and charities, everyone.